I want to live the way that He wants me to live. We're going to talk about the will of God today, and this song is so, so right for this moment. I want to give until there's no more to give. Have you thought about those words? You sang it. Everybody in this place sang it. Did you sing these words? If you sing it, did you mean it? I want to give until there's no more to give. It's not necessarily talking about money here. In the book of Romans, it says we need to give our bodies as a living sacrifice. Much more than money. You know, we're not after money. There's much more we can give. And then he says, I want to love till there's just no more. Have you ever come to the point where you can love so much that there's just no more that you can love? That's a they, you know, the, the only way that you can get to that is a sacrificial love. Then you stop breathing. You've loved so much that you can't love anymore. Big words. You sang it. We all sang it. Did we mean it? As children of God, did we mean it? Or are we just doing it for the sake of it? I can never, never out-love the Lord, and that is so true. Yes? So true. Praise the Lord. So, we came to part 8 in the book of James in our study of spiritual maturity. And James is teaching us. Do not forget who James was. He was the head of the church according to the book of Acts. So, I reckon he's talking out of experience when he writes down for us how to live a spiritual, mature life. He had all of this experience. He saw everything that's happened. Now, if you would go back to him in the day and say, James, why don't you write a book? Everybody wants to write a book these days, isn't it? You do something and then all of a sudden everybody jumps up and down and says, you should write a book. Well, he did write a letter, didn't he? And he wrote this letter to you and to me for one specific reason. Not to make money for him, not to be on the bestsellers list, but he wrote this for you and for me to do what? To grow spiritual maturity. That's it. It's a guideline. It's a practical guideline. And in James chapter 4, as we're going to go there, we finish the sentence which we finish every week. And it says, a mature Christian... Today we're going to see, obey God's will. A mature Christian, obey God's will. We saw last week when he started out in chapter 4, that he was talking about wars. He was saying that we are at war with each other. In his experience as the church leader, he could see Christians in the church fighting each other. Having disputes with one another and arguments with one another. And boy, it, it can get ugly in churches when brothers and sisters fight each other. It became so bad at one stage that in the book of Galatians, Paul had to tell him, do not consume each other. Don't eat each other up. It came, became so bad. And he started off by saying, this is what's happening. People are fighting so with each other. There's a war raging in the church between the people. We can understand if it happens in the world. It should not be in the church. And he, he explained to us that this war amongst the people happened because there is a war inside of each one person. People are not happy with themselves. And this war inside of them are raging on. 
are not content. They are discontent. You see somebody else is doing better and you measure yourself always up against that person and you want what they have. And it becomes such a big war on the inside and, and we know that if it happens on the inside that it will manifest itself on the outside. So there's fights going on because there's a fight going on in here. And then he landed last week on this final thing. He says, but the, the real reason, the core for these fights inside and outside is because you're at war with God. That's where the problem lies. You are at war with God. So if you settle the dispute between you and God, and there's only one way to, do, to settle that dispute, and that is to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, to bow your knee to Him, to confess your sin, repent of your sin, and for Him to, to save you, to be born again. That is how you set yourself at peace with God. You know what will happen? The war inside will stop, and the war outside will stop. From you. I mean, there could be still others who didn't settle this war with God, and they could fight amongst each other, and you could be in the same area, but at least you're at peace, and you are not throwing more wood onto the fire to have these fights continuing on. It's all on the tapes for last week. You're going to listen on the internet if, you want to, if you've missed that. And here is the thing. Now he's going to go into the will of God, into the will of God. It is when believers is outside of the will of God that they become troublemakers and not peacemakers. Have you heard what I said? When people go outside of the will of God, absolutely they will be at war with God. Because God says do this, they are fighting God. It is then that they become troublemakers. But if you walk into the will of God, what is God's will? That we should love one another. This is what he said. He said to his disciples, he said, by this the world will know that you are my disciples. If you, come on, you know that verse, love one another. Is that his will? That is his will. So if you go against that will of God, what will happen? You will be a troublemaker. It is so clear. And this is now what he addressed. You see, Peter put the matter about God's will like this. In 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1 he writes, he says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, we saw it at the table this morning, arm yourselves also with the same mind. He calls you and me to arms. You know what it means to call you to arms? That's a military term. Get yourself ready. How do we get ourselves ready? We get ourselves ready to be of the same mind of Christ. And now he says, For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live in the rest of his time. Look at this now, in the flesh. He's actually saying that you should not live in the flesh. Does he now actually mean that the flesh is going to continue on and you just jump out of your flesh? No, no. He means we shouldn't do the things that the flesh always did. And he continues that on by saying, For the last of men. You see, last is a self-gratifying thing. It's about me. I want more. I'm at war because I want more. Lust, the definition for lust is to satisfy self at the expense of others. And he says it right here. He says there's two parts of it now here. He says the one is the flesh and the will of the flesh. And what is the other one? He says, but for the will of God. The will of God. 
He says there's two wills here, the will of man and the will of God. And he says now we should live for what? For the will of God, not for the will of flesh. He puts it right versus each other, face to face. And this is now where we pick this up. But when he talks about the will of God, do you understand the will of God sitting here this morning? Do you understand the absolute will of God? You see, people get sometimes confused. So let's look into that for a minute. There is two kinds of wills here when we talk about the will of God. First of all, we find His decretive will. Do you know what a decree is? A decree back in the days when the king sends out a decree. It's a command. The king makes the decree. The decree goes out to all of the people in the land. So let me ask you the question. If the king has set up the decree, who can change the decree? Only the king. Only the king can do it. If the king says it's so, then it's so. Well, it's the same with God. This is the decretive will of God. It is the hidden will of God. We find this in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. I love this verse. It says, The secret things of, of, of belong to the Lord our God, but those things which were revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that they may do all the words of this law. So he says there's two things here, the writer. He says there's hidden things of God, and these revealed things of God. The Latin says, Deus obscanditos. It's obscured from our vision on the one side. We cannot see that. And we shouldn't dabble into trying to find out what they are. It belongs to God. It's His decrees. And then there's the revelators. The Deus revelators. Which means it's being revealed to us. And those things we see. This is what this is all about. It's a decretive will. It means it's the absolute will of God. And you and I cannot change that. I want to be 100% perfectly clear about what you hear. Because I find it absolutely fascinating that you get people now preaching from pulpits and they want to make decrees. You know what it tells me? It doesn't upset me anymore. It just shows me their level of knowledge about the Word of God. And let me tell you this morning, they ain't know nothing. They're only showing their foolishness to you and me. This decrease of God belongs to Him. Here is a decree for you. He said one day, let there be light. What are you seeing today? Can you turn the light off? Now why is it then I've heard somebody standing behind the pulpit and said, I decree that the sun will stay longer. You can't do that. Who do you think you are? Which level did you reach in school? I decree over your life the opening of finances. What? <laughs> are you kidding me? It just tells me you're folly because it tells me you do not understand the decretive will of God and the other one is the preceptive will of God. Listen, it's not perceptive. It's not a perception here. It's the preceptive word of God. Do you know what a precept is? It is a written document to you and me. It's a precept. It is something which is written down and you need to abide by that. I, I, we need to understand this. If you get this, 
you will see right through these phonies which calls themselves apostles and prophets. The decretive will of God and the preceptive will of God. The decretive will of God is absolute. It stands. This made up history. And we can only see the hidden things of God in history. We go, wow, that's what God allowed. We didn't know that. Can we see the future things of God? The decretive things? Of course we can. It's in His Word. But they don't trust the Word. They don't read the Word. We can read about it, but listen, friends, although you and I, we went through the book of Revelation, which is prophecy for the future, but even in our mindset and how we have studied it and how you've built that picture in your, in your mind, let me shock you today. It will be different than you perceive it. Because God has got His final decree. So the decretive will of God. Then he talks about the preceptive will of God. Let's first look at these verses here for decretive will. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11. Paul writes down, he says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Who's part of the counsel of his will? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Where is your name? <laughs> where's that person who stands up and says, I decree in the name of God that this is going to happen. Where's your name? Excuse me? Have I missed it somewhere? You cannot do that. The decretive will of God is in the counsel of God. And Paul knew that. Paul knew that. Psalm 33 verse 11, he says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of His hearts to all generations. So in other words, this counsel, if we talk about the counsel of His will, it stands forever. Hence me saying, you and I cannot change the decretive will of God. We just can't. Forget about any person coming to you and trying to change it. If God says it's so, guess what? It's so. Finish and clear. It means done and dusted. But then he talks about the preceptive will of God. And this is what, this is what Peter was touching here. But for the will of God, you see, it is the preceptive will. It means in this verse here, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the things which was revealed to us and they belong to us. This is the moral law. This is written down in the Word of God. This is what James taps into when he says we need to grow up in our spiritual lives. Why? Because there's a will of God for us to live as children of God. And, and where is that written up? Where do you find that moral law? In your Word. You find it here. That's where it is. It's preceptive will of God. That is why in Isaiah 28 verse 13, Isaiah right down, he says, But the word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Wait a minute, look at this now. He says that they might go and fall backwards. Oh, look, I can just sidestep now and go on a rabbit trail here about people saying, You see, that's what, what you get now when people are slain in the Spirit. That's not what this means. This talks about their sin. The Word of God will strike them backward to understand that you have to humble yourself to God. 
okay, and then be broken and snared and caught. So it is the perceptor. Do you get the perceptive and the, the creative will of God? We are talking, and James are talking about the perceptive will of God. So let's see how it plays out what he wants to teach us this morning. James chapter 4, verse 13. He says, Come now, you who say, and I love this because it's so true, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? Ask the person next to you. Say, what is your life? For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. Instead of, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do good, to him it is a sin. Have you heard about the sin of omission? That is what it is. If you know how to do good and you do not do that, it is a sin. It's just right there. It's a sin of omission. I love it when he says, you know, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, he says it's like a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. Have you seen the newspapers of 20 years ago? On that day it was fresh news. The newspapers, they printed, it went through the printers. It was white paper, black ink on it. Have you went back into the libraries and find it in the archives? What color is the paper now? It's faded to yellow. The black is not as black as it used to be. That is what man's life is, friends. Have you noticed yourself 30 years ago? Have you seen photos? <laughs> Have you? 30 years ago? It was like that white paper and the black ink back in the day. Now the photos is fading, but guess what's fading faster than the photos? You are. <laughs> you and I, we are fading faster than our photos. Can we take our photos with us to heaven? No, we can't. Can you take this old body? No, you can't. He talks about that here. In this section of his letter, James points out that there's three attitudes towards God's will. There's three attitudes, and we're going to look at them. The first attitude is ignoring God's will. There are people, can you believe it? Now listen to me again, friends. He's not writing to the world. Because the world is ignoring God's will, uh, well, aren't they? People who's working with you, are they working in the will of God? Are they, are they coming to you and saying, I don't know what God wants for me tomorrow, are they? Are they saying we're going to do this by the will of God tomorrow? No. He's talking about church members here. He's talking about people who call themselves Christians. They are ignoring God's will. Look at this. He says it in verse 13. He says, come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go. We will go to such and such a city and spend a year there, buy, sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Guess what you're doing? You are ignoring God's will. Verse 16, but now you boast in your arrogance. We will go to that city. We will make a profit. You're boasting. 
It's just a sign that you are ignoring God's will. And everybody can hear you are ignoring God's will because you're so arrogantly boasting about it. Now what is those boasting? It is evil, he says. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it's a sin. So ignorance against God's will is what? It's a sin. I mean, I'm not trying to read meaning into the scriptures here. Can you see it for yourself? It's boasting. It's ignoring God's will. Have you noticed there's no prayers that happened? Have you noticed in their talking they didn't say, let us pray and ask God what He wants for us? Have you noticed that? So a person who ignores God's will is a person without a prayer life. These are assumptions we can make now. Because they certainly don't talk that way. They are boasting about what they are going to do. And this is straight for ignoring His will. They take things for granted. They take a lot of things like all we do is taking things for granted. And we think so. You know, there's a lot of people who live today who think that things are going to be the same forever. Our water is going to be the same. Electricity is going to be the same. Have you seen in your household if the electricity is turned off for three hours? Is that upsetting your household? If you have children with devices that connect to the internet, you will find it, yes. But people are taking things for granted. Money, they take homes, family, food, all of things for granted. It's just going to be there. And one of the biggest things these days that I'm thinking about, a lot of people are taking their brains for granted. Do you know how wonderfully you were woven as a human being sitting there? How many things has got to play a part so that you stay healthy? Do you understand that? Do you know that God has got His hand on that? If one small thing goes out of, like they say, if I can say this with permission, if one of small thing in your body goes out of whack, do you understand what that means? You're in trouble. I've, I've, in, in New Zealand, I've known a young man who was a brilliant young man. He got a stroke. He's not the same anymore. Yet, these people are boasting. They are taking God's will and they are ignoring God's will. And it's a foolish thing to ignore God's will. Because James is telling us now that, you know, His will is there for us. And why wouldn't you stand with God's will? It's foolish. First of all, because of the complexity of life. Do you know that life is complex? Have you noticed? He says, these people say, tomorrow we're going to do these things, and it sounds so simple, but life is full of a lot of decisions. Who's noticed that? There is right and wrongs. And sometimes, if you've made a decision, and you only found out years later it was the wrong decision. Yet you were pushing forward, ignoring God's will. When you made that decision, you didn't ask God for His guidance. Life is an absolute maze. People are finding their way through this. And I want to say this. It's only when you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and seek to do His will that life starts making sense. Can you, is there somebody who can confirm that this morning? I can. Life is a mess. It's complex. And as you grow up as a child, you know what happens. Every single year, a layer of complexity is added to your life. I know when I was a young man, I wanted to be old. Honestly, when I was in primary school, I said, I can't wait for the day when I get to high school. As if. 
I'm going to get something. But you know what? The cool kids were the high school kids, and I wanted to be a cool kid. And guess what happened? I came into high school, and what was my next wish? I can't wait until I go to university. Why? Because the university guys, they look so cool. They've got so much freedom. But what I didn't realize is that every single time I go through these phases, which we must, there's a layer of complexity that falls upon me. And then I go, I want to move out of my mom and dad's house. You know, I want to stand on my own feet. Yeah, I want to do my own thing. What I didn't realize is there's there's way more complexities that comes in. And then before long, I walked and I, I stood still and I go, how in the world did I get to this point? Isn't that what we find with a lot of young people today? The biggest problem today is things come too fast for people. They can't work through that. They can't mature to grow into that complexity. And that's the same here. He says to us with the children of God. You have to grow. You have to read your Bible. You have to pray. And what happens? Every single time you hear the Word of God preached, what happens? Your faith is built. And then what happens? Once your faith is built, a new layer of complexity of the world comes upon you. But now, in the past, you were walking in your own steam. You were ignoring God's will, but now you walk with God's will. And He knows best for your life. And, and now we can say, bring on the complexities as they come. Because of this small thing, I am now content with where I am in, at life. I'm not pushing for an area where I shouldn't be. Am, am I talking to real people here this morning? Do you understand what I'm saying? And now we've got psychologists and we've got people who try to solve people and entangle their complex lives. And it's the only reason is they do not have Jesus Christ as the one who guides them through life. This is what it is. It is absolutely foolish to ignore God's will, child of God, because of the complexity of life. Secondly, it is foolish to ignore His will because of the uncertainty of life. How certain are you of your life today? You cannot be certain of your life. You cannot. You do not know what's going to happen in the next hour. I don't know what's going to happen in the next hour. He says it right there in verse 14. He says, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Proverbs 27 verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. How many times have we seen this? I I recall back in South Africa, I was young, it made such a big impression on me back in the day. There was a family who was preparing to go for Christmas, packed their caravan, everything, the presents. The, I was part of the church, and I, I know, I saw it for myself. Uh, the father died overnight of a heart attack. The day before they were about to leave to go on holiday with their caravan. I went with our pastor to the house, and you know what? The mom was sobbing and crying. She took us into the caravan, and there in the caravan were all the gifts for Christmas Day. Friends, we need to understand the reality of God's will. We need to understand it is foolish to ignore God's will because of the uncertainty of life. Not only is life complex, it's uncertain. And if these things fear you tomorrow, if you sit here this morning and, and this morning and you go, whoa, you know what, I'm feeling so shaken with this, it's good because the Holy Spirit is working with you. The one answer to all of this is Jesus Christ. He gives you certainty for the future. We all sing that song. We sing because He lives what? What? I can face tomorrow. 
Because who lives? Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. And, and you know, there's another reason He says it's foolish to ignore God's will. It's because of the quickness of life. The quickness of life. I was a, a 20-year-old going towards 30-year-old in our church. And, and an older church member came to me and says, Enjoy life because it is just like that. I honestly can't tell you where my years went between 40 and 50. I can't tell you. It feels like a vapor. Now, people are telling me the years between 50 and 60 goes faster. I don't know. I'm experiencing it right now. I'm in the moment, okay? But here is one of the things. You cannot ignore. Child of God, do not ignore God's will. Why? Because of the quickness of life. Verse 14. For what, for what is your life? He's asked the question. It is even a vapor that appears for a little time. Then it vanishes. Listen to Job. 14 verse 1. He says, Man who is born of a woman is of how many days? Few days. This is what Job said. Man, uh, were you born of women, everybody in this place? If not, you're an alien, okay? Everybody here sitting in this room is born of a woman. And he says it right there. He says, man born of a woman is of few days, and listen to this now, full of trouble. This goes back to what James explained to us last week. Full of trouble, the complexities of life. He says in verse 2, he comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like the shadow and does not continue. Why would you want to ignore God's will when you're in your 20s? Why? Because before you see and that mist goes away from your eyes, you're in your 30s. And when you start feeling because your head is getting a little bit thinner on top, you're in your 40s. And by the time your knees are giving in, you have to take a stick to walk around, you're in your 60s. Life fleets right just like that. Have I explained myself? No. <laughs> this is not, this is foolish. There's one more reason he says it's foolish to ignore God's will, and that is because of the frailty of man. Have you noticed the frailty of man these days? I don't have to say it to you, but you look at your mom and your dad. I look at my father. You know, my dad was called a rock in South Africa because he worked in the mines. He's a gold miner. You know why they called him a rock? He was so strong and so hard. He went in and he gets the job done. I remember days and days when I saw my dad. He walked miles. He's a strong man, a fit man. And then one day he got a stroke. And today I've got my dad. He's still alive. But he's a frail man. A frail man. So why do you want to wait until you're frail then to call on to the will of God? Why don't you walk into the will of God today? He says it's, it's, it's foolish to ignore God's will because of the frailty of man, verse 16. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Friend, you cannot control future events. As much as you want to, you can't. So can you see why the first thing he puts out to us is that the children of God, he's not even talking about the world. He says Christians are ignoring God's will and its foolishness because of these reasons. You know, a person who's ignoring God's will is like jumping on a, on a little rowboat, setting off into the deep sea, 
without a compass or nothing. Would you do that? Would anybody in this church please put up his hands and say, I'm going to do that tomorrow? It's foolish, isn't it? Come on, be with me now. Do you agree or not? Yet, yet, Christians do that. They sit on this little rowboat and they go, man, I don't need God. I'm a, look, one day I went out, I bowed, I confessed my sin, I'm on my way to heaven, hallelujah. Now I'm just going to continue living my life out of sight of the will of God. Guess what? All of these complexities, complexities of life is going to come, uncertainty of life, the quickness of life and frailty, that will hit you like a storm. Even the big shifts with compasses, when a massive storm hits them, it shakes them. Who do you think you are with the outside the will of God? You're in trouble. The second, the second thing he explains to us this morning, attitude towards the will of God is, people are disobeying God's will. They're not only ignoring God's will, they're disobeying God's will. Look at verse 17. Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him, what is it? It is a sin. These people go one step further than those who is ignoring it. This is worse Listen to me, listen, listen, it is worse than ignoring God's will is to know God's will and to disobey it. Disobedience is as a sin of witchcraft. Woo! Did you say that word? Of course it is, go and read in the Old Testament. When Samuel came to Saul and he disobeyed the word of God, it was Samuel's words, he said disobedience is as a sin of witchcraft. And here we go. These people... They know the will of God, but they choose to disobey it. Why? Uh, oh, wait a minute. I want to enjoy life. I'm still young. You honestly want to tell me I've got to be this boring Christian now? Look, Christian, to be the child of God is not boring. I've done both in my life. It's much more fun to be a child of God. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Peter writes the same. He says, For it would have been better for these people, for them, not to have known the way of righteousness. Oh, this is a stark warning. Let, let, let's not beat around the bush here. This is an absolute... Didn't I say that James is going to be in our faces? He says, for these people who know God's will... I'm putting the two together, I, I think you've noticed. For these people who know God's will and knows the way of righteousness, that means to live a life acceptable to God. It means to live in God's will. For those who know it, it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it. To turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. And again, he's talking to Christians here. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. What is this proverb? It says, a dog returns to his own vomit, and so having washed to her wallowing in the mire. This is horrible and terrible, isn't it? Have you seen a dog? I've seen it before. They vomit and they go back and they lick it up again. Is that making you disgusted? If that makes you disgusted, he had a point of using that proverb. Because as disgusted as that is, is the disgustedness, if there's a, is there a word like that? Disgustedness. If not, I've made it. As the disgustedness, now I'm falling over my own word, <laughs> as that word is for a child of God who knows the will of God, who knows the will of righteousness, and then turn away from it. It's like that dog licking up that vomit.
Can you see that this is more serious than ignoring God's will? Oh, oh, wait a minute. Just, just to my mind. For those people who say, I can claim one day ignorance. No, no, you can't anymore. Because in the book of Acts, it says that for those who, who are claiming that, who say it's for the time of ignorance, He has now seen His Son who died for us and was risen from the dead. So you can't claim ignorance anymore. So I want to suggest, listen to me very carefully, I want to suggest that the big part of the church who are, who are against God's will is disobeying God's will. Apart from those who get false teaching. That's just another serious matter. Now let's quickly go on to the next part. He says, why do people do this? Why would people disobey God's will? Well, it's because of pride. It's because of allowed sin in their lives. And I've physically seen this in my life as well. It is a belief that they've got a choice to obey God's will. Let me be perfectly clear this morning. We must obey the will of God. There is not a choice this morning for the child of God. You may or may not obey God's will. You must obey the will of God as a child of God. God is speaking really seriously this morning, isn't it? But we need to hear this. I'm not going to be here to trickle your ears, friend. Then I stand in error. But this is true. We must obey God's will. If you call yourself a child of God, it's not a matter of choice. It's a matter of obedience. It is just what it is. And he says it so clear. People do that. Now what will happen to people who disobey God's will? What will happen to them? We're talking about Christians here. First of all, they will be chastened. Do you know what chastening means? They will be punished. And for the lack of time, you can write this down. Go and read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 to 11, where God will chasten His people. I find sometimes, and, I, and I've learned over the years, people come and they want counseling and they tell me their story, and I understand that God is actually chastening these people. You know what I will not do? I will not interfere between God and that person at that point in time. Hence, at one stage, Paul comes and he says, if somebody goes against us, a child of God, we leave him over for the devil. Now, people misinterpret that whole passage there. What he was saying is because of that person choosing to disobey God's will, God's going to leave them over to their own devices and they will get hurt. And then they turn back to the pastor or to God and they come, oh, you know, I'm so in trouble and all of these things and so on. And the first question you need to establish for them, are you walking in the will of God? Not how can we help you to make things better for you. Are you walking in the will of God? Because, friend, we can do. I can counsel until I'm blue in the face. If you're not in the will of God, you will not get out of the trouble of God. It's just as it is. Secondly, what will happen to these people? They will lose heavenly rewards. It's so clear. Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. And, and, and if you sit there and say, you know, I don't care about heavenly rewards, wait a minute, go and read it. One of the things that you need to do is you need to carry the fruit of repentance. And the fruit of repentance is tied into the rewards in heaven. So if you are telling me I'm not worried about the rewards in heaven, you are in fact telling me I'm not worried about the fruit of repentance. That's a serious claim you want to make. 
So can we see now the attitude about disobeying God's will? Let's finish then with the third attitude he's explaining to us, and that is obeying God's will. Three attitudes. Did you ever thought in these few verses we can bring out this will of God? Ignoring His will, disobeying His will, and now obeying His will. James chapter 4 verse 15, Instead you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Again, listen to what people say. I've heard so many old people in the day when I grew up in the church in South Africa. I can now name them up by name for you when I speak to them. And I start as a young man going, yeah, this and this is going to happen. And do we see you next week? They say, if the Lord wills, we'll see you next week. They knew something about the will of God. Every single thing of your life is tied to the will of God as a child of God. We make problems for ourselves if we move outside. And, and again, let me just quickly rephrase it. I'm not talking about the decretive will of God. I'm talking about the preceptive will of God, which is right. How do I know that will? Read your Bible study. This whole series, if you, if you haven't listened to every single message in James, go back and listen to them again. This is what he is giving us today. This is the example Jesus gave us. It's obeying God's will. Remember in John 4 verse 34 when Jesus said to them, My food is to do what? The will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Each one of you has got a work to do and you and I have to finish that work as well. But the first thing we need to do is to abide by His will. In Mark chapter 3 35, He says, For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. This he was saying because he was teaching and, and his mother and his brothers were outside. And they said, look, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside. He said, no, no, wait a minute. Only those who do the will of God are my brothers and my sisters. You remember when I said a few Sundays or months ago, not everybody walks through these doors with my brother and my sister. No. We can't call every person a brother. We need to understand if they are children of God, first of all, and secondly, if they do the will of God. Now, we don't become judges. So we don't become that. We give them the Word of God. So we've got an example here about, and I'll finish with these ones, the preceptive will of God as it is outlined in the, in, in, in the Bible. First of all, it renews our minds. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and not, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you renew your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do we renew our minds? Study God's Word. Renew our minds. Secondly, 2 Corinthians 8, 5, uh, not only as we have hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So what is the first thing to come into the will of God? You give yourself to the Lord. How do you do that? You repent of your sins, you get born again. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, For this is the will of God. What? Your sanctification. Do you know what sanctification is? I reckon I need to preach a sermon about that. That means to be set apart. Set apart by what? By the word of God by the life of God. And then um, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Are you giving thanks in everything? Or are you a complainer? Are you a complainer? 
This is obeying God's will in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What, look, and I'm just touching now. We've run out of time. I've just touched a few. The whole Bible is full of the word of will of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. This is for you as a child of God working in a place, and they are so against you. You know what you keep on doing? You keep on doing good to them. This is your testimony in the world. The will of God for your testimony in the world is not to fight the world wherever you go, it's to do good. Is it I say that? The word of God says it. It's right there. Peter so right it. He says, for this is the will of God, the preceptive will of God. It's a precept. It's written down for us that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Foolish men. Let me just give you two examples. And, and, and look, all of the apostles is examples for us. Jesus is an example for us. How to live obedient in the will of God. But in Romans chapter 1 verse 10, Paul writes this down. Remember when James said, you ought to say, if God wills, I'll do this tomorrow. Here is an example of him. He says, always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length I might have the prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you. Was, was Paul operating in the will of God? Was he ignoring the will of God? Was he disobeying the will of God? No. He obeyed the will of God. He asked God's permission. And then, look, I've put one in there because I, I could stand here the whole day and give you scripture verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul called the apostle of Jesus Christ through what? Through the will of God. He says the same to Ephesians, to Galatians. Peter says the same. James says the same. What are we? We are children of God by who? By your will. Forget it. By the will of God. So this morning, as we're going to pray now, I ask you, a child of God, a mature child of God, obey God's will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word, which is so direct. It cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul. Father, there's no hiding place from your word. No hiding place from your spirit. No hiding place from you. So, Lord, we thank you that your word this morning helped us. It is there for us as a guide. And, Father, we pray this morning not only for that guide to be a guide, but to lead us from the inside. As the psalmist says, he says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. So, Father, I pray now and I thank you for your word. Lord, we want to walk in your will. Help us. In your own power, we will not be able to do it. We need your spirit to strengthen us, to empower us to do what you want us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.